fashion as a tool for resistance, performative activism, collaborating with big name brands, and why we shouldn't celebrate Invasion Day. We're Media Slashies, Maggie and Jasmine, and this is our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We would like to acknowledge that the Wurundjeri, Turbal, and Bunwurrung people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live, work, and record this podcast. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Tomorrow is Invasion Day. We would like to remind you that January 26th is a day of mourning, not a day of celebration. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. For more information on who to follow and listen to this week and beyond, keep an eye out for a resource list on our Instagram account at Culture Club Pod. Today we are joined by Sienna Catullo, a proud Naronga woman whose family is from the Yore Peninsula in Adelaide. Born and raised in Melbourne on Wurundjeri country, Sienna is a head of branding and marketing at Clothing the Gap. This Aboriginal-owned and led social enterprise fuses fashion with social change, using garments to spark important conversations and to promote equity. Thanks for joining us today, Sienna. So first of all, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and Clothing the Gap? So my name is Sienna Cotullo. I'm a proud Narunga woman, so my family come from the York Peninsula. But I was born and raised in Melbourne on Wurundjeri country. So I'm the head of brand and marketing at Clothing the Gap, which is an Aboriginal-owned and led social enterprise whose main mission is to add years into Aboriginal people's lives. So how long has it been around? How long has Clothing the Gap been around? And what is it like working for a social enterprise? So I've been with Clothing the Gap since the very beginning. We started as Spark Health. We're all health professionals here. So I've got a background in public health um, and everyone else in our team all have public health backgrounds as well. So we started as a health promotion business. I was their first employee. It's two of um, Laura and Sarah. They left the Aboriginal Health Services and started their own business in health promotion. And I was their first employee. I started as a casual, uh, as a volunteer um, for six months and we worked at the Fitzroy Football Club, which is an Aboriginal football club down there, getting the juniors juniors started. And we did some other Aboriginal health promotion programs throughout Victoria as well. And Laura, who's a Gunda Jamara woman, always designed um, Aboriginal clothing and Aboriginal training singlets as incentives to motivate people to um, come to all six or eight of the, the program events. And um, I think we just saw, you know, the power of fashion and how – we can make clothes to make people do things. So we sort of rebranded with Spark Health, um, rebranded and started making more. So we, we always made training singlets for Aboriginal community, but we said, all right, what's this going to look like if we start making streetwear clothes and we open up to, you know, wider the wider community and sell it to Aboriginal people and non-Indigenous people because, you know, Aboriginal people and mob always get around other Aboriginal businesses and Aboriginal clothing. So we knew they were always going to support us and and buy from us, but how can we get um, non-Indigenous people to buy from us? So we started, we rebranded, went streetwear and started something really simple that wasn't really scary for non-Indigenous people by just having like clothing the gap as a name on a T-shirt. And I think it was more the, the branding and the marketing um, strategy in that where it was our first photo shoot and we got I think there was three Aboriginal people and three non-Indigenous people one was Somalian 
um, an Indian Irish and I think we had a Scottish person and then maybe an Aussie male and we pretty much rebranded as we're, we're closing the gap by running a health promotion program but you can close the gap and help us. So that was our in, our way in and, you know, health promotion was still our main gig so the clothing thing was just our little side hustle we did because it was fun and I loved it so much. Um, and I think it didn't really grow until, like, it, we, it got it got pretty it got some traction and a lot of people followed us, but it wasn't until um, the flag stuff really happened and then COVID happened that clothing the gut really got really big. And now it's become its own registered business late last year. So it's the, it's its own thing. Um, we've just employed like 12 new staff members. So it's literally gone from four people to about, I think there's 17 of us um, in less than a year now, um, which is super exciting because, yeah, growth is awesome and it means we can have more Aboriginal people in our space and yeah it's it's cool (laughs) yeah that's amazing it feels well obviously as you said it really has like blown up in the last year we were wondering why did you decide to use fashion as the vehicle for this Indigenous activism I don't think um you know fashion as activism isn't new especially in the Aboriginal community we've been you know wearing our flag and our colors for generations um you know to protest and to to celebrate you know our pride and our identity but protest against you know I guess the the things that were happening so it wasn't new for us it's what Aboriginal people have always done um I guess fashion and and t-shirts gives us a voice when we're too tired to speak it lets us know, you know, it's an opportunity to wear your values on your tee and, you know, let the world know where you stand and and Clothing the Gap's whole purpose is take others on a journey with us. You know, we're here to educate people and create conversations and we think clothing is a great way of doing that. I think we saw the power of fashion. We always knew it was there, but we really saw it when we started the Free the Flag movement and we got all the AFL clubs on board and it wasn't until we really saw yeah, the power of fashion when it was Eddie Betts and he's like everyone's favourite football player is my dad and brother's like God. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. it was it was that moment when, you know, it, they all, so all the football clubs, um, all the players wore our Free the Flag T-shirt for warm-up and the, for pre-game. But after the game, I think it was Carlton versus someone, I probably should know that. Um, but Carlton won and before Eddie Betts celebrated his win with his team, he went and grabbed his Free the Flag t-shirt and put it back on and the uproar of the crowd um, was just crazy. It was like goosebumps. Um, And we saw, yeah, Mm -hmm. like this clothing and fashion really, really has, um, it's powerful and it can really make a, it can really do something, create social change. And we've seen that. Um, you know, I've read somewhere and I think we've really seen that lately is fashion can be more influential than politics because, um, you know, mm. fashion's everywhere. You don't have to, you know, be a politics geek, which I'm not, to understand it and make it. And you don't have to be in politics to make a change. Like look at the clothing brands and, and what you're wearing is making changes, conversations and education make change. And, yeah, fashion's doing that. Mm. Yeah, I'm wearing my always was, always will be shirt. And I was getting a coffee this morning and I was thinking about it. And when I wear it, I, yeah, it's really interesting watching people's faces. Like some people scowl or look really confused and then other people smile and give me a nod. And yeah, I find that so interesting that, yeah, like you said, you're wearing your values on your tee and you're making a statement just by like walking down the street and saying what you think is important. 
And that's what I really like, you know, an, an Indigenous person can never be in an Aboriginal person's shoes, but, you know, they can really get a feel for it when you do wear T-shirts like that because, you know, there are there's a lot of people, and I'm from Melbourne in the northern suburbs where everyone really celebrates um, us, and they're very quite progressive, so I don't really ever deal with racism that much. But, you know, you do occasionally, if you're wearing that T-shirt, get a, get a look. And I'm glad that non-Indigenous people wear our stuff because they get to experience that a tiny bit. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's n- never going to be the same. They can always take the T-shirt off and be like, I don't have to deal with that. But um, for that slight second, you know, if it's... They get to, yeah, they get to realise and sort of experience what it's like living in Aboriginal mm-hmm. people's shoes. Um, but, yeah, on the flip side as well, you get to, you know, the, the head nods and the smiles and that you get are, are awesome. Yeah, there's a lot more than of that, which is very good to see. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's it's so powerful, that, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was house-sitting in Brunswick West, um, just like over Christmas and things like that. So much clothing the Gap merch. I saw it everywhere, <laughs> walking down the street, and that was really lovely and refreshing to see. I'm from like the southeast of Melbourne. Um, so it was awesome. And you've recently opened up a store there as well, haven't you? Yeah, so we used to be impressed in this tiny little office. It's so ridiculous when you see it, like comparing what we've got now. It's like on top of Rent-A-Bomb, it was like a four office little tiny thing and we tried to fit all of us in there um and we we didn't there was no room for a shop um but it was funny just like going walking around Preston and Northgate just clothing the gap everywhere and it mm-hmm. gets like not embarrassing like I'm really proud and I love seeing people in our stuff but I'm like oh my god we're absolutely everywhere um and then we're like all right let's leave we've done Northgate we've done Preston like everyone's wearing our stuff now let's go and infect stuff, and it's working because I I drive home every day and I can count two or three people wearing our stuff on the street when I when I see it which is amazing yeah it's awesome the store's massive um we've got the front store and then we've got distribution out the back and we've got our offices on top so everything's sort of done in-house um and our manufacturer is a 15 minute drive in Thomastown so everything from the designing to the making is all made within like a 15 kilometer radius and all mm-hmm. on Wurundjeri country which we're super mm-hmm. proud of um yeah we're moving towards fully Australian made stuff as well um we, we currently get as color which is you know a, um, made in Bangladesh but we're working with our manufacturer to try to make um all our garments Australian made and we've got a we've got a range at the moment that are um, but yeah, we're super proud. We're the first Aboriginal business to get ethical, um, ethical Australia credit, credit, accreditation, accreditation. Um, yeah, accreditation. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're the first Aboriginal business, which we're super proud wow. of. That's so good. And I also saw that maybe middle of last year you did a collaboration with uh, Frank Green as well. So how has that been? Um, you know, working alongside non-indigenous businesses to kind of further your name and everything. Yeah, um, it's cool. We love doing collaborations. Our first collaboration was Homey Streetwear. Um, mm. I was super proud of that because you know when we started clearing the gap, I I, I looked at. Um, Homie as inspiration. Yeah, so Homie is another social enterprise, and their hundred percent of their profits go and support um, youth homelessness and hardship. So when we started Clean the Gap, and our our mission was our hundred percent of our profits are proudly being reinvested into health promotion programs and um, influencing social change. So 
we messaged, I just sent them like a DM one day or an email being like, hey, I'd love to meet up with you guys and just talk business about how you guys run stuff. And, you know, we went out for coffee and the first thing they said when they sat down is like, let's do a collab. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I've got all your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Super cool. And it's really cool having non-Indigenous businesses come on this journey with us because for them, for us, it's, and Frank Green as well, for us, it's um, getting our name out there more and, you know, hitting a wider scope. But for them, it's an education piece of you know they're learning so much and homey is so great they reshare out all our um resources for jan 26 last year they they got all of our posters and put them in their window um so it's cool that they get to educate their their audience um as well as like teach us stuff and the same with frank green as well they've got a massive audience so like i said we're all health promotion people we're not marketing people we're not um social media people we're not the business type people so collabing with people like Frank Green who you know they do decks and they do like strategy marketing and all this <laughs> stuff that we do not do um it's cool to learn those things um from them and you know now I know how to I think they're called like EDMs I was like what the hell is an EDM I call it like a male chimp <laughs> yeah I know I was like I'm always like is that electronic dance music are we talking yeah. about that or email yeah. you know <laughs> they were like saying all these big words and I had to stop them one day I'm like I'm sorry I can't pretend to be so professional I've no idea yeah. what you guys are talking about and they just thought all hilarious because like you do what you do so well but we're just doing it we're just doing it because it feels right um but yeah so it's awesome being able to club with those things because we get to learn like business stuff and how they do things and make our life a bit easier but yeah for them to be able to educate their platform and um so we did water bottles with them and it was their fastest selling sellout collab they've ever done um which is we're super proud that you know um it was the always was always will be and it's like majority of australia agree with us and they're siding with Mm. us and they want to support the cause and we just thought that was really really cool like our our collab which is quite political um, and we were quite nervous. We weren't sure how, how it was going to go, but this collab did better than Disney. Um, it did better than Minions. Like um, <laughs> Minions. Yeah, I think they've got a Minions thing, um, which we were, yeah, they, they weren't expecting. Like now we've got a backlog of orders because they thought, you know, they thought like, oh, yeah, we'll order stuff and it'll just be able to go, you know, they'll keep coming. But they sold out so fast that they're just like, we weren't expecting this. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. We've also just done a partnership with um, Key, um they do like sunglasses but they've just oh yes awesome so key started doing um like campaigns on education so they did nadoc week last year they and they're an american business now so they did the black lives matter campaign so they hit us up and wanted to do a campaign with gen 26 so um it's cool being able to learn how to how to collab with other businesses and they don't always have to be product based but it can be campaigns and education and you know as a social enterprise we're all about education we'll always keep doing that but business for profits they're now changing the way that they run they run and they're starting to do more campaigning stuff and education stuff um i think is really really cool so um yeah key is our first sort of collab partnership that we've done this year and I'm just excited to see what other ones can can come up and what else we can do with other businesses is that coming out soon for 26 yeah so um yeah we first day back into the office and smashed out a whole video campaign with them which was stressful but um and exhausting but yeah so that'll come out in the next couple of weeks cool so exciting yeah super exciting 
And um, you mentioned earlier um, the Free the Flag campaign. So for those who don't know, can you please explain the copyright issues behind the Aboriginal flag? Yeah, so the Aboriginal flag is one of the only flags in the world that is copyrighted, which means that there is a licensee fee on there and someone can control the flag. Um, it's under the Flag Act as well. So, you know, every other flag that's under the Flag Act has free use of the flag as long as they use it respectfully. But with the Aboriginal flag, that's not the same case. So um, Harold Thomas is the designer and the copyright owner of the flag, but he's licensed it out to three separate companies. Um, and all three of those companies are non-Indigenous and they um, request his putting it nicely, but they expect payment um, and really enforce their licensing um, about paying. If you want to use the Aboriginal flag, you pay for it, even Aboriginal people, even Aboriginal businesses, Aboriginal organisations um, and even community groups have to pay to use their flag. Um, and, you know, when we when we first started, obviously, as proud Aboriginal people, um, we had flags on our products. We had beanies. We had a jumper that was, like, ridiculous. I had, like, five different flags on it. It was hilarious. Um, and we had like sweat towel, we had heaps of flag products and we got, we got sent a season desist saying you've got three days to stop selling. Um, and you know, as proud Aboriginal women and women that probably don't take no for an answer, we don't think it's right. We didn't think this was okay. So we started a campaign. Um, we started a petition. I think we've got maybe close to 200,000 signatures on that now. Um, and pretty much the whole campaign is about lobbying lobbying to the government to change the licensing rights on the on the Aboriginal flag. Um, it's been in the works. So that was June 2019 we started that. Um, it really gained traction, though, last year when we got the AFL um, or the AFL club supporting the campaign. Collingwood was the first club to jump on. And before COVID, we'd been planning this for like six months beforehand and Collingwood was going to have the banner and it was going to be on their uniform and it was going to be this really big thing that Collingwood just did. Um, and then COVID hit and everything went into, you know, who knew what was happening. So the campaign wasn't going to be, you know, as big as we wanted it to be because they were just trying to figure out if they were going to play or not that week. Um, so when Collingwood hit us up and said, you know, not we're still going to do this campaign Indigenous round. It's, it's not going to be as big as we wanted it, but, you know, we still want to raise awareness about this. Um, and we said, yeah, that's awesome, but do you mind if we hit up every other football club too because we really need to make this big. Um, and they said go for it. And in three days we got every single AFL football club sign on to the campaign. It was a very stressful three days trying to get thousands of t-shirts to all the players all over <laughs> Australia um I've never like oh it was crazy we we're hitting up like manufacturing companies in Perth and Adelaide and all this and lucky the people who the manufacturing companies were huge AFL fans and they were just like yes like <laughs> my favorite player gets to wear it like I'll do it for you in a day as long as I can deliver it myself um it was awesome and yes yeah, so every AFL club joined I mean every nearly every AFL club player wore the free the flag t-shirt pre-game and, mm. and raise awareness and I still see them wearing it today on the Instagram and all that which is awesome to see um but seeing just you know the community get around that like we did that in three days and it wasn't just us doing that like we were calling any Aboriginal person we knew in any football club to make that happen so um it was huge to pull it off but we don't think that it was just we were just responsible for that we think the whole community was whether it was you know the aboriginal people in the clubs the community members it was we were posting on twitter like even just the supporters of those people of those clubs were 
you know, we're twittering the CEOs and twittering the players like, why aren't you joining? Why aren't you joining? It was a, mm. it was a huge community effort. Um, and yeah, we're super proud of it. And, um, I think a lot of the people have renamed the Free the Flag t-shirt as Eddie Betts t-shirt, like <laughs> that much of a statement. Um, but, yeah, it's really raised a lot of awareness. It's um, And then shortly after that there was an investigation in, in Parliament. Um, wow. So when we talk about, you know, has fashion got the power to influence social change like it did? And, yeah, so there was an investigation that's happened to it. It's actually budgeted this year. There's in the budget, there's the Aboriginal flag. So fingers crossed something happens this year. Um, hopefully it's free. We're not too sure how it's going to happen, but at least, you know, it's it's on their agenda. Mm. That is incredible to hear about, you know, all the change that has been happening Um all throughout the AFL club and how it's even transitioned into parliament. Um, it's even even great when you mention that you see people wearing your merch when you're out and about. But I'm wondering, you know, another Invasion Day is coming up and the date is yet to be changed. Do you and the Clothing the Gap team, are you guys seeing much process in people changing their mindset around this? I don't see the government doing anything about it anytime mm-hmm. soon, but I'm seeing a shift in people's um the way people think about it and the way that people approach it, like we've just written an article about it. My um, close friend, Tanisha Atkinson, who's a Yorta Yorta woman, she's an amazing writer, um, and she wrote, you know, just the eight things you should know about Gen, Gen 26. And um, that's got over 200,000 views on our Instagram page wow. and it's got over 12,000 shares and on Facebook it's got 80,000 views. So wow. It's really, even though I don't think the government's going to do anything, I think we're really shifting the way people think about it and educating people about it. A lot of people don't understand why Gen 26 is offensive and I can't hate them too much for it because, you know, Aboriginal studies and histories wasn't taught in schools and it's still not taught now. And unless you know Aboriginal people, people don't really get why it's called invasion day and they don't get why it's a day of mourning so um that's why social media is amazing because we can educate on there we can hit a wide audience so i'm seeing yeah the shift of people really educating themselves um which is really awesome and deciding not to celebrate it and and spending this time this month on um educating themselves and their family and their kids about you know the real history of Australia and and the history of Aboriginal Australia and um yeah I I think that's really cool to see and and seeing businesses um a lot of businesses have hit us up we've we've just done articles urban list because urban list said you know we're making sure that we're not we're letting it be told that we're not celebrating gen 26 and we're going to educate people why we're not um so urban list is doing that broadsheets hit us up and they're doing an article about it homies um, posting about it. Key, who's got, you know, they're, they're an American brand now and it's got, you know, millions of followers. They're, they've just come out with a campaign about Gen 26 and why it's not a day to celebrate. So I'm seeing a shift in businesses and people um, educating themselves about it and consciously thinking about how they're going to spend the day, which I'm really proud of. Um, and yeah, we've got you know heaps of people coming into our store and buying online because they want to they want to be wearing one of our t-shirts on Invasion Day. Even if they're not going to if they're going to the rally, but um, if they're not going to the rally and you know their barbecue or whatever they're doing that day, we had a guy last year who we had no idea how he found us, but 
he was going camping that weekend with his friends and he had to come and buy a Not The Date To Celebrate t-shirt from us before he went because he wanted to educate those people on that camping trip of why it's not a day to celebrate. Mm. Um, and he was, yeah, using our T-shirt to educate his circle, um, which is cool. So I'm seeing, a, yeah, I'm seeing a shift in the way people think. Um, mm. And, yeah, I don't know if government will do anything about it, but, you know, it's power of the people. Government don't have to do anything to influence change. It's um, it's the people. So, yeah. Yeah. Seeing less Aussie flags and Aussie plates around, which is nice. Bunnings also. Bunnings in Brunswick isn't, you know, you, you, Bunnings is, you know, they've got the barbecue stuff and the, all the Aussie barbecue things that you would typically do on Australia Day. Um, but Bunnings have decided, you know, we're not, we're not doing that this year and they haven't got any Australian flags. They've made all their staff buy T-shirts from us and getting their, their staff to wow. wear our T-shirts mm. at Bunnings in Brunswick. So I'm like, yes, yeah, like it's cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's so influential. And like you were saying, Urban List, Broadsheet and Bunnings, like they all have such different demographics. And then with people talking to their circle, that's really how you like make progress. Mm -hmm. I was also wondering recently the Australian government changed one word in the national anthem from young and free to one and free. The fact this happened in January, do you think this is really performative or like what's your opinion and your community's opinion on this? Yeah, I think it's completely tokenistic and, you know, it's a it's a yeah, performative activism. Like, look, we've done something and, you know, that's that's not enough. And even even when you talk about Australia Day and changing the date, like changing the date is still not enough. Like you're celebrating a country that, you know, Aboriginal people have one of the worst life expectancies in the world. We've got one of the highest suicide rates. We've got one of the highest incarceration rates and these are your First Nation people. So even changing the date and changing an anthem, that's not doing anything to fix a problem and you're not doing anything to change a system. Um, like it's, we need systemic change and not until then you can, you know, celebrate Australia or, mm. um, yeah, celebrate Australia Day. Um, and I think it's the same with the with the anthem as well. Um, there's a lot of people that have come out with like different versions of an anthem. Um, but yeah, I'm not all over the anthem saga. I think Briggs is really, really he's he's done a really well job of um, breaking it down and how it's offensive and all of that. But I think yeah, even if they change an anthem, it's all performative activism. We actually need to see real change on on the ground and within the system. We totally agree that systemic change is needed. And I guess on an individual level, that can kind of feel overwhelming. So what would be the best way um, you would recommend people can use their voices and actions for Indigenous rights and even perhaps even in the healthcare sector as well? I think it's super important to, you know, amplify Black voices and Aboriginal people and bring them this them on this journey you know there's this white savior like I want to help and I'm going to do everything and I know how mm. to do it all and there's this white savior mentality it's like no aboriginal people have been doing what they've been doing and caring for country and caring for our community for generations like we know we know what's best for our people we know what what needs to change so listen to aboriginal people um amplify their voices like give them opportunities to speak put them up in higher positions like this whole thing with you know after the whole Black Lives Matter movement is getting, 
you know, they want to get more Aboriginal models and all of this on their pages. Like that's not really, it's performative and it's tokenistic. Mm-hmm. Like get, we need Aboriginal people, we need coloured people in decision-making in higher-up positions where we can actually make real real change. Um, but education is like always, I say, education is vital and that's the most important thing to make real change um, and start it with the schools, starting in the system. Um, education is what's going to change change things. Clothing the gap, um, you opened up your Brunswick store. You were voted Business of the Year at the Dreamtime Awards, published in Vogue, and obviously led the campaign we've been talking about. So, what's on the cards for this year apart from the key campaign? Um, hopefully, more collabs with other businesses, even if they're just campaign education campaigns, because yeah, education is what we're super passionate about. We hope that the flag is free and we can see an influx of Aboriginal flags with Aboriginal businesses. Um, We're still not too sure if the flag is free. We'll be the people making flag products, Um, but we just really want to see the visibility of the Aboriginal flag flown by Aboriginal people again. Um, And what else have we got planned? Yeah, more virtual runs. Um, We've seen the power in virtual runs this year after COVID and how... um, influential they are and just how great they are and how much we love it so we're definitely going to keep doing the virtual runs um and our foundation clone the gut foundation is going to be announced as well so um stay tuned for that and i think that's yeah we're not really um we're not really people who plan 12 months ahead we're sort of the type of people that it just comes to us and like yeah we're gonna Mm. go with this we're gonna go with this so I feel like I haven't thought further than like a month Mm. Um, but yeah which makes it more exciting because it makes us more um you know versatile in the sense that when things come to us we're really open-minded and and can get things done real fast and you know I feel like when we have a 12-month plan you're closed off from a lot of ideas because you're too focused on something and opportunities can come up so um, yeah, we're excited to see what new opportunities come up for us and how we go with that. Yeah, you can tell that you're a very busy woman. So <laughs> what about away from work? Where can we find you? What do you enjoy doing? The hard thing about working as like I'm head of marketing and so social media is it's really hard to get away from your job because social media is like on my phone, which is attached to me at all times. Um, but I love running. Um I've been running for a few years now. I did the New York Marathon a few years ago. So, yeah, before COVID hit. Um, and I think that's just my opportunity to, like, switch off completely. Like, I leave my phone at home and I'm going for a run. You can't call me. I can't see an Insta- Instagram notification. So, um, yeah, running's like, my hobby and that's how I how I relax. Um, and obviously friends and family. But I think I just need a – I love and I want to start spending more time outdoors camping connecting to country I got to um on my holidays this year I got to actually go visit my home in Adelaide on the York Peninsula and just camp there for a while and it's just so nice to be able to get out and just get out of of the city and disconnect from your phone and people and businesses and just you know recoup and reconnect so I think that's my my goal for this year is to keep doing more of those things this week, Invasion Day is coming up. What would you say to someone listening now who is planning on celebrating Jan 26? I would say start by listening to the song Jan 26 by AB Original. Um, it's Briggs and 
this other guy that I can't remember his name. Um, but there's a really good line on there talking about, you know, pick a date to celebrate and then we'll go to your nan's grave and we'll start drinking and and it's, yeah, it gets a bit like mm. explicit, but it's such a good analogy of like that's what you're celebrating when you're celebrating Jan 26, you're celebrating massacres, you're, you're celebrating rape, you're celebrating stolen children. So um, start your day off with that song. It'll make yeah. you feel a bit better. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just listen. Yeah, listen. And I think if they are celebrating, um, I think you'll see it a lot more on social. Well, my my followers, you see it a lot on social media about, you know, it's invasion day, it's, a, it's survival day. And there are Aboriginal people that actually do celebrate Jan 26 and it's not Australia Day it's Survival Day and they're Mm -hmm. celebrating their survival and they're celebrating their resistance and their resilience still to this day so you know listen to that and understand why why that's a thing um yeah and and learn. Thank you Sienna that was incredible we really value your space and your words we really appreciate the time for you to educate non-Indigenous people because we can't even imagine how tiring and emotionally draining that can be definitely encourage all our listeners to check out clothing the gap buy some merch get behind it thank you so much again for coming on culture club today thank you for having me it was my fun first podcast for the year yeah no way <laughs> <laughs>